You're listening to God and Comics, where the only variants that concern us are overpriced variant covers. On today's show, Fantasties. We'll talk about how the classic fantasy story is being made into a new graphic novel and what the medium of comics can offer to classic literature and fairy tales. All this plus our recommendation, this or that, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am a Roman Catholic priest in the personal ordinariate of the chair of St. Peter, coming to you from Katy, Texas. And uh, as uh, with me, as always, is Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm a pre- an Episcopal priest in the Diocese of Virginia. And uh, of course, Father Matt Stromberg. Yes, uh, Father Matt here. I- I'm an Episcopal priest in the Diocese of Albany, New York. Great to be here. Good. Good to see you guys after the uh, hiatus that turned into, a, I don't even know what to call it at this point, the longest hiatus in God and Comics history. Yeah, but, you know, everybody yeah. still basically looks the same. Um, I mean, I think, you know, my facelift is coming through pretty well. So that's it good. It is. It is. They did a good job. Yeah. Um, and then, of course. Yeah, it's I- good. Kinda. (laughs) (laughs) Father Kyle's uh, beard is trimmed a lot more closely than the last time I saw him, so that's good. Um, And grayer than it was before. Yeah, I feel bad for the family of Robins that was living in there when it was bigger and fuller. Hopefully, they migrated to to Florida, so they're okay. Oh well, that's good. Um. Okay. So. With no further ado, let's just get into our recommendation. Father Matt, what do you have for us? A a, a comic book from Marvel, uh, an all-ages comic book. It's it's a whole lot of fun. I'm always always looking for comic books that I could read with my children. Um, I have have a daughter who's uh, nine. I have a son who's seven. And... We really enjoyed recently together Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It's a great series. Now, I'm saying this based purely on the first two volumes, which is as far as we've read. But um, on on just the basis of those two volumes, I definitely would make a strong recommendation. It's it's a great story and um, introduces some great new characters to the Marvel Universe, uh, not least of which is Lunella uh, Lafayette, who is the uh, the titular character, Moon Girl. Now, Moon Girl is a play on her name, Lunella, like, uh, you know, uh, Luna, Moon, Lunacy, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, and it and Devil Dinosaur is a character from the 70s created by Jack Kirby. And um, he's a big red. Um, well, he's not a T-Rex. He looks like a T-Rex. He's red and he's got flaming eyes and, and um, he's a dinosaur. <laughs> he's a devil dinosaur. Um and uh, if, if you're familiar with that uh, original uh, Jack Kirby uh, comic book, uh, there was uh, 
a, a little uh, hominin, like a cave caveman, a caveman boy, a youth named Moon Boy, who had a psychic link with Devil Dinosaur and used to ride on his back. Um, apparently in the Marvel Universe, human beings and dinosaurs overlapped. Don't ask. There's cavemen, there's dinosaurs. <laughs> it's all the same time. But, um, but um, so instead of a moon boy, we have a moon girl. And, and, and instead of taking place in uh, prehistoric times, this series takes place in modern day New York. And Lunella is, um, she is a genius. Um, in fact, um, Amadeus Cho at one point, the, 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 the new Hulk, the, the young hotshot Hulk, um, he shows up and, and he gives her a test with this thing called the Banner Box, it's test intelligence. And Lunella Lafayette is by far the most brilliant person in the world. And here she is, bored to death in fourth grade um, in Hell's Kitchen. She lives on Yancey Street. And she would really like to get into one of these fancy private schools for gifted kids, like, you know, the one run by Reed Richards or the one run by Tony Stark. But um, she somehow escaped everybody's notice. And uh, she doesn't have a single friend. She's sort of a loner. Um, she's sort of obsessed with her own work. Um, what she is obsessed with in particular is the fact that she has the inhuman gene. Now, um, there is a big company-wide crossover that this kind of links into. You don't need to know everything about it, but uh, the Inhumans are another creation of Jack Kirby. And um, they get their powers. They're, they're, they're human beings that have been genetically modified by the Kree, an alien race. And when they're exposed to this stuff called the Terrigan Mist, they develop superhuman abilities and uh apparently there are people all over the earth that have this gene just sort of like randomly and the terrigan mist is traveling through it's just loose and it's blowing through the earth and so lunella is terrified because she knows that eventually she's going to be transformed she's going to go into a cocoon and she's going to come out with superpowers but she's afraid that she's going to be transformed into some sort of monster because that could happen right she could have fish gills or you know she could turn into a rock or something like that um so she's terrified of this looming transformation right it's 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 kind of a not so subtle uh metaphor i think about her emerging womanhood puberty you know, she's about to turn into some sort of monster. And she wants to stop this at all costs. So she has this piece of alien technology developed by the Kree. And um, she is hoping to use that to uh, cure herself. Um, but instead, what she does is she brings back from the past the devil dinosaur into modern day New York, but also a gang of 
um, cavemen, the um, the 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 um, these sort of vicious predatory cavemen, and they become like a street gang, and it's a whole mess. But but Devil Dinosaur and her become best friends. They're both loners. They're both don't fit in. They both are kind of out of place um, in, 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 in their environment. Um, and uh, it, it's great because Devil Dinosaur is like a big puppy, you know, and he's fiercely loyal to uh, Lunella. He follows her everywhere. Um, and she has an underground lair, like a science lab that he stays in. And so together they become um, a superhero team. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and 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 Moon Girl um, has like this kind of homemade superhero outfit with these crazy gadgets, like springs on her feet and everything like that. Um, and she does, in fact, get taken by the Terrigen Mist. And it, it, if you if you read the original Devil Dinosaur uh, comic book, the Kirby one, you might be able to guess at least something of what her power will be. But although it's very, it's different than Moon Boys, similar. Um, anyway, it's, it's a great book and it's just, it's just wacky. And uh, all kinds of Marvel characters show up. Um, a lot of like Ironheart shows up, the X-Men show up. Um, Ego, the living planet, who has a daughter who's a moon. Um, and Moon Girl goes to the moon, Moon Girl, <laughs> and uh, has an adventure there as well. So it's 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 all very interesting. It's a lot of fun. Artwork's great. Um, the the artist is uh, Natasha Bustos, Bustos, and the writers are Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair. Um, it's sort of co-written by both of them. Um, and I, after I read this, I thought, oh, gosh, they got to do a movie or a cartoon about this or something. And sure enough, it just dropped the the preview. They're making it into a, an animated feature for Disney+. Plus. Oh, wow. And uh, Larry Fishburne is, is, uh, does voice work on it. I can't, I don't know who he'll play, but. It looks like it'll be kind of a fun cartoon. I'm looking forward to seeing that. So Devil Dinosaur, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, uh, volumes one and two, and and probably other volumes also, but I haven't read those yet. So, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about, or today, <laughs> I don't know when you're listening to this, friends. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Fantasties and maybe about the general um, idea of uh, comic book adaptations. And the reason why we're thinking about Fantasties is because um, our friend Alexi Sargent, who uh, of course has been on the program many times, um, uh, wrote to us about this new kind of uh, campaign to get Fantasties turned into a graphic novel. Uh, which has led to a Kickstarter and an Indiegogo campaign, which I think you can still contribute to, although they've, um, they've overshot their goal at this point, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, they're now looking to release 
in October of this year, the, um, the graphic uh, novel of Fantasties, um, which is a story by George MacDonald. And uh, Father Kyle, since you once upon a time took a class on this, perhaps you would be the best person to maybe just explain um, for a moment who George MacDonald was and kind of in basic terms what Fantasties is. Yeah, you know, it, it, so I took a class 22 years ago on George MacDonald, so I'm, I'm uh, a little bit rusty on him. But um, MacDonald was actually a, a Scottish, I believe like a Scottish Presbyterian or Congregationalist minister. Congregationalist, yeah. Congregationalist in the mid-1800s. Um, mid um, he, uh, you know, did some work in, in the ministry. He also uh, spent a lot of time cataloging a library that belonged to a private owner that had this very extensive library. So spend a lot of time around books. And um, you see some of that reflected in the story, Fantasties. There's a, a, a book that um, he goes into a library and picks up some books in the book, Fantasties. And he's describing the things that are in the books, you know, sort of the stories that are capturing his imagination. So um, he's drawing from some of his own personal experience there. But uh, McDonald, if I remember correctly, uh, from from the class, McDonald actually had some influence um, from the author of Alice in Wonderland, whose name I am totally blanking on. Lewis yes, Carroll. Yeah. Lewis Carroll. He, thank you. He was a, he was a family friend of the yes. McDonald's. Yeah. And yeah. Um, there's there's some excellent old photographs of the McDonald family that uh, that uh, with Lewis Carroll. Um, so, it's a, yeah, he was he was a very good friend of theirs. Yeah. And, and you can see that he's been influenced in his writing a lot by Lewis Carroll's writing. Um, and Fantasties, I think, has some similar vibes to the way that uh, to the way that Alice in Wonderland is is written is is that I, I'm I'm wondering if it's and I, I'm not sure if, if if the influence ran from Lewis to McDonald or or, or or Lewis Carroll to McDonald or from George McDonald to Lewis Carroll I don't know mm. um, good question I always thought it ran from from Lewis to Lewis Carroll to McDonald but I might be wrong on that. I, I'm not um, sure. Nonetheless, if you're familiar with Lewis Carroll's writing, you'll you'll notice the similarities in George MacDonald's style of writing, you know, fairy tale literature. Um, so yeah, that's a, a little bit about MacDonald that I remember uh, from yeah. from many moons ago. Okay. Uh, he, of course, we can't talk about George MacDonald without mentioning uh, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Um, now. No one in modern time has done more to revive the literary reputation of George MacDonald than C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, never wrote a book where he didn't quote from MacDonald. Um, he, he, he said, you know, next to Christ, he's like, he's, you know, uh, the most, you know, uh, important figure in his life. He always regarded him as his literary master. 
Um, and, and there is, there's a great anthology of kind of excerpts from uh, McDonald's uh, writing that, that, uh, that C.S. Lewis put together. Um, and, and you could see the tremendous influence um, not only uh, theologically um, or, or, or in, 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 um, but uh, just they share this fascination with myth, with fairy tale, with poetry. Um, they, they're, they're, they're very akin. You know, you could, you could just see how deeply C.S. Lewis was shaped by uh, George MacDonald and his ethos, his, his kind of uh, romanticism um, and his Christianity. Um, before, before Lewis was a Christian, he said that um, his imagination was baptized by, by reading Fantasties, hmm. that it was the first book that he picked up by George MacDonald. And, and, and he said it revolutionized his, his thinking and without really knowing it sort of uh, introduced him into the milieu of, of, of Christianity. Um, there's not a whole lot explicit of, of Christian imagery in, in, in Fantasties, but it's there. Um, and uh, George MacDonald was, of course, also um, a preacher. Um, he had a brief career as, as, as a preacher, um, but he's so idiosyncratic, such a, 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 a unique thinker, such a um, sort of an original mind, you know, that, that uh, he, he got, he ran into a lot of conflict as, as, as a minister. He did. Um, he, he, he actually got up, brought up on charges of heresy by the deacons of his church for yes, some of what he was yes. preaching. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, George MacDonald is, um, he, he did not fit in with the Scottish Calvinism at all. <laughs> um, George MacDonald is known for his universalism. Mm. Um, and he was, uh, he was a, a, a proponent of universalism. Um, he, he has a strongly mystical kind of bend. And so, you know, all of these kinds of things were, were very, uh, put him at odds with, with the Scot Scottish Presbyterians. Um, he also was a little more open to the kind of developing um, scholarship on the Bible and things like that, um, sort of more modern um, in many ways. Um, and... Uh, yeah, uh, 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 as far as relevance for for uh, the the tradition that has shaped all of us, uh, George MacDonald, he never he never became an Anglican, but he uh, regarded uh, the great Anglican theologian and priest uh, F. D. Morris as one of his spiritual teachers. Uh, George MacDonald even named one of his sons Maurice. Um, did, did he know Morris? Yes, they were. They were very close. Um, uh, Morris was like a, a, a pastor to him. 
a priest to him, but also like a dear friend. And, 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 uh, and they, I, I would say they probably influenced each other. Um, but George McDonald never wants to let himself get pinned down. You know, he, he gave sermons to Unitarians even, although he himself was certainly no Unitarian. Um, but, you know, he's sort of a, a rebel, <laughs> you know, a Victorian rebel. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So and, and he, he was very he was a very well respected author in his day. He's very, um, very popular. Um, and he wrote he wrote these um, adult romances like uh Fantasties and another excellent book called Lilith. Um, he, he wrote a lot of children's uh, like uh, literature, like the um, also fairy tales, like the Goblin Princess oh, and the White yeah, Princess. The yeah, at the back of the North Wind. And he also wrote a tremendous amount of kind of like Scottish um novels that are that are more like realistic novels a lot of them explore his own kind of um theological and philosophical journey um you know one thing i love about reading a george mcdonald novel is you get a lot of great sermons just embedded in the novels there's a lot of preaching going on um not so much in fantasties but in, in his in his uh, kind of more realist novels, um, there that's a big thing. Probably a work that, it, well, I know it it blew me away. It revolutionized um, my thinking, and it's probably among the most cherished books. Um, uh, you know, the books I cherish most in the world is um, is his unspoken sermons, and these are phenomenal. Um, these are just um, very, just beautiful and like moving and insightful sermons that um, that you could. There's there's several you know prints of them. You could also bring them up online and and listen to them on audio recording um, on LibriVox and things like that. So George MacDonald, he, he's and then he he's influenced not only C.S. Lewis but Tolkien. Um, uh, G.K. Chesterton, W.H. Um, Auden, uh, they all look back on George MacDonald and celebrate him. Um, and, uh, and, and, and for the longest time, he was sort of like this guy that, that was really popular in his own day, and he kind of got forgotten. But he was beloved by the people in the know. Um, and uh, C.S. Lewis really, uh, you know, resurrected his his um, his reputation, and um, and today kind of there's a lot of scholarship and writing about George MacDonald, um, largely connected with the Inklings and his influence on them, sort of as the proto Inkling, um, and also around his universalism. You know, my my first experience of of George MacDonald. Uh, was reading the the Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis' yes. The Great Divorce, which is uh, to this day um, 
one of my favorite books, if not my favorite book. It's, it's a book that I always keep multiple copies of so that I can give them away to people. Um, and uh, of course, George MacDonald shows up as a character in that book mm-hmm. um, who guides the um, character of Lewis, more or less, uh, as he's you know on his way around figuring out this uh, version of heaven that Lewis has created where uh, all these people have come on holiday from hell, <laughs> essentially. I've been interacting with this character of George MacDonald for um, many years, uh, returning again and again to that book. Had never really sat down to read MacDonald himself until quite recently. Um, and I actually was going to start with the, um, the, what's the goblin thing called you say the goblin princess i've got a book that's basically a whole bunch of his fairy tale stories yeah like i um, think it's the goblin the goblin princess yeah so i have i have those to go through uh and i hadn't quite gotten to it and i i pushed fantasties up um and uh and and went through that instead um and uh it's it's really tough to go through that i I, I found mm. that I could see some of the influence, like, you know, if you think about the great divorce and the sort of way that Lewis describes um, the, the kind of heavenly world, um, you can see some of that being influenced by the way that MacDonald describes the um, fairyland in Fantasties. But it's, it's, it's hard because there's not really a story there. Um, there are little stories that pop up here and there, like, especially when he's reading the, the books in the palace. And, um, but, you know, a lot of it is just observations of this young man in this kind of magical world um, without much context for who this young man is or why we should care. Yeah, we so, just jump right into the yeah. story of him, right? So it's, it's tough. But I was also thinking, you know, I can see from this, why a graphic novel treatment of it would do it a lot of good yes because it's so it's so very visual and so very oriented towards this is how um the experience of meeting the fairies or of like interacting with this world that where you know objects are also kind of spirits um spirit women he he does (laughs) He does seem to only want to interact with the spirit women, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, like, like I could see in my head how that could become quite, quite visually appealing. And if you look at just some of the panels that they've shown for um, this uh, graphic novel project, um, it really does pop, like the colors are popping there and, um, you know, look, it looks like it's going to um, really do that well. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time since I read the book. Um, I read it twice. I read it like, you know, like in my 20s. And then I read it, you know, maybe, you know, um, six, seven years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 like 
I struggled to to get through it the first time I read it. Like, mm-hmm. um, in fact, I, I I bought both Fantasties and 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 Lilith, and I picked up Fantasties and I read like part of it. And I'm like, I, I I can't follow this. It's like I don't know what's going on. And I picked up Lilith, and I found that a lot more accessible, although challenging as well. But Fantasties is. It, it it doesn't seem to have a structure. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that's true, but um, it, it seems to meander, uh, you know, and, and, and the, 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 the main character's name is uh, Anodos, Anodos, right? Which means uh, in Greek, pathless. He's 21 years old. Um, it's just it's just after his 21st birthday, you know, and um, like a lot of young men, uh, I don't think he quite knows who he is yet. And um, and so this journey into fairyland is is kind of like a, um, a, a, a it's 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 an awakening. It's a spiritual uh, transmutation that takes place. Um, I, 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 I've, I've, I've heard it said that, um, that the book follows sort of like the alchemical transmutation process. Um, that it's, and and that, that I can't speak to that. I'm not, I'm not an authority on alchemy. Um, but I've read, I've read the, um, the, the chemical web wedding of Christian Rosencruz, which is like some people call it the first science fiction novel. It's sort of like a fantasy novel, um, but it's an allegory for the alchemical, the chemical wedding, um, which is the, which is it's itself is a kind of spiritual process, you know, that, that it's about uniting with God kind of a mystical process. And um, and Fantasties and the al- the 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 uh, chemical wedding. I don't know that I, I both struggled with them in the same way. They're like they seem meandering. They seem like and there's this like kind of these episodic adventures, you know. Um, yeah, the, the novel seems uh, I mean, it's an it's anachronistic to say that it's Jungian, but um I mean, it's it's tapping into the same source material, right? The the unconscious, um, the um, the 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 realm of like imagination, of, of dream, the the kind of uh, mythical poetic realm. And there's and and as as, as Father Jonathan already mentioned, there's like these these archetypal kind of figures, feminine figures. Um, you know, an old woman, a beautiful maiden, you know, an evil parody of the beautiful maiden, you know, a knight in shining armor, like, um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's about his kind of becoming a man, awakening spiritually, uh, dying to self, being born again um, through this kind of 
uh, descent into the realm of fairy. I mean, what would you say about? I mean, you took the class on it, Kyle Tomlin. You <laughs> yeah. you have all the secrets, right? Yeah, no, I don't think. I so. like how we've but, made Father Kyle the expert because like, oh, I know took a class once upon a time on this two decades ago. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what I had for. Well, I do remember what I had for breakfast. I don't remember what what I had for lunch three days ago, but. Um, no, you know, it's funny. Uh, I think a lot of what you're saying is, is spot on, Father Matt. Um, it, the thing that struck me, one of my favorite albums ever is Genesis's A Lamb, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. And that story is a story that Peter Gabriel wrote about a character named Rail who goes into this very um, fantasy-driven world that goes underground and there's weird creatures and there's encounter with serpent figures. And all of it is one big story of Rail's journey from being a young man, a, a young punk in New York to becoming a man. And, um, and I see a lot of parallels with what, what George McDonald seems to be doing in Fantasties. This is my second read through. I'm not quite done my read through, my second read through here. Um, but this is the first time I'm picking up this book for, for like 20 years. And I'm seeing that a lot more clearly now. I think it's interesting that you noted that he, that the name Anadas means pathless because he definitely is starting out pathless, right? He's this, this confused, perhaps confused 21 year old man who's trying to find his way through life. And the story does seem to be about his, um, about his stumbles uh, certainly with regard to women, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it is interesting that at one point when he frees the, the woman who is trapped in the marble, that shortly thereafter, we find that he begins having trouble with this shadow that follows him everywhere, mm -hmm. right? That his sin, if it were, kind of leads to this darkness that just hovers about him that that doesn't seem to go away it um it changes on the journey from time to time but um i see a lot of reflection there and just you know the general human struggles we stumble into things and there's darkness that follows us for yeah i mean the shadow into. the shadow is like his it, 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 it like all these different vices that he has to like combat like his greed his lust mm -hmm. his pride um but it's also it, it's it's part of the spiritual journey towards awakening as george mcdonald describes it and maybe it's kind of his own journey because like when what what this the effect that this shadow has on on our hero on Anadas is is to um to kind of disenchant the world. The the shadow makes it harder for him to experience the magic in 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 um yeah in the fairyland yeah um, yep. and 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 sometimes it's like that's a good thing. You know, he, he, he says like, you know, this, this land is full of so much magic and deceptions, you know, like it's good to have like them like filtered out, like the shadow helps me see through the illusion. 
of 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 the fairy tale. But what it also does is it makes it harder for him to see the fairies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I think this is kind of like um, about like the the kind of modern disenchantment of the world. And, 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 and how, you know, that the kind of scientific, critical thinking, um, materialistic thinking even, is sort of, in some sense, uh, necessary to bring someone from like a, like a kind of pre-conscious, uh, a pre-critical na- uh, naivety um, to... Uh, a, a more um, aware, um, but the, the you know he has to take kind of the gold from the shadow and kind of cast it off though and leave it behind eventually if he's going to um, you know be successful in this journey of of of, of transmutation. Um, and and I, I remember reading somewhere. Um, and I wish I could cite it, but it, it stuck with me. You know, this this comparison with the uh, process of alchemy. Um, there's a stage in in in, in um, uh, when you're kind of transmuting uh, material uh, in in alchemy and kind of melting it down, and kind of the goal is to to sort of achieve the philosopher's stone. You know. But there's there's a, a, a kind of a, a point in that process that's called negretto, which means the shadow or black, you know. And it's like it's when the spirit is released from the matter, you know. So it's like um, the shadow in Fantasties is kind of like this disenchantment that sort of when does it leap on him? It it, it happens in the Church of Darkness or something. He opens yeah. the closet and and suddenly he has the shadow with him anyway that I, I i mean i'm sort of like you know i don't know what to make a half of the symbolism but it's like just it's it's not like straight allegory like i like i don't think it's like that at all it's kind of like you just gotta kind of ride the wave it's like a dream and it, it's 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 uh in many ways, I think it's probably multivalent. Like there's many different ways you could read it. That's um, why you can have a whole class on it. Like the one that right. I took. That's Unfortunately, right. I wish I knew who George McDonald was before I took that class. The reason I took the class was because I was familiar with Lewis and oh. liked Lewis. And I, I know Lewis had a fondness for McDonald, but yeah, it'd be interesting to retake that well, now. And you know what? You know what's interesting too is if we think about the timing of this. So, um, Lewis. So, so McDonald dies in 1905. Lewis is born in 1898. So they have actually have lifespans that overlap a little, just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But the distance between us and Lewis is greater than the distance between Lewis and um, McDonald. Yeah, that's um, wild. Yeah, so um, it's interesting that that's that that he's become kind of the the framework there because I know at the beginning, Father Matt, you sort of mentioned him as the modern kind of reviver of of McDonald, but um, you know, in in some ways, that's uh, the, the 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 distance is different um, 
than than it seems like it should be in in our heads. I also feel like anybody who's listening to um, you know, here we are, season seven, episode one of God and Comics. Anybody who's jumping in for the first time is going to think we're like way more literary than. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just just to connect this with comic books. I mean, we're yeah. we're talking about this because of this Kickstarter project, this this graphic novel about Fantasties. But like in comic books, you know who has George McDonald all over him is Neil Gaiman. I don't think you would have the Sandman without George McDonald. Um, in fact, um, like, you know, there's the realm of the dreaming in the Sandman, you know, and there's even the library and there's the uh, old librarian with the raven. It's like if you read Lilith, there's an old librarian with a raven, you know, there's a lot of um, clearly... You know, it, it's 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 interesting. Uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, the 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 influence of C.S. Lewis, of G.K. Chesterton, George MacDonald. I mean, it's very heavy. You know, when I when I first started reading those guys, like I, I came to them like kind of because like I, I was already in love with that aesthetic from Neil Gaiman from reading comic books by Neil Gaiman, you know? Um, it's interesting, Neil Gaiman kind of, of course his work is, is a lot more secular. Um, it, you know, he kind of, uh, he doesn't have the same kind of theological like overlay or, or, or but he, he, he kind of, He's he's with them in the kind of romantic, mythopoetic kind of stuff, um, and and he draws from literature and and poetry and mythology like they do. Um, what, but um, what what do you guys think is um, is the advantage of having comic adaptations of works of literature like this? Because there are a lot of them now. You know, I mean, you can you can read the like comic version of Pride and Prejudice if you want, or the like comic version of um, uh, uh, I'm trying to there's, think. There's there's one of uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah, I mean, you can even read the comic version of the Bible if you really want to. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, so like, what Mike Allred did the Book of Mormon. Oh. He started it at least. Interesting. So never got so, through it. But, but like, what's the what's the advantage of that of having them in comic these things in comic form? I think the draw probably is that um, uh, much like much like when you take a comic book and turn it into a movie, there's something that makes it pop a little bit makes it come alive in a different way, just seeing it in a different medium. And I think that, that um, since we live in such a visual culture today, we live in a, in a culture that's very much grounded in watching movies and television and so forth, um, people's ability to sit and read a book and visualize what the author is trying to say might be a little bit more challenged than it was in days when when reading was the predominant form of entertainment and your imagination 
was able to paint those pictures. So it could be a foot in the door kind of thing where having the comic book version helps you to, to see it and experience the story in a very visual way, which then ideally would lead you back to wanting to read the novel, right? Now having seen a little bit of it to go back and read the novel and kind of get the fuller picture because there's going to be elements when you translate a book into a comic book that aren't going to come through fully. Um, I think that would be an ideal goal. Well, and this is my next question, right? Like, so if I read the comic version of Fantasties, have I read Fantasties? Probably not, but, (laughs) but, you know, it's hard to say. One thing I'm noting in rereading this book is that the amount of dialogue in the book is very limited, actually. There's a lot of, of description, a lot of, of internal monologue or a, a narration, I should say. I think it's not really my internal monologue. It's just narration. Right. He's telling about his life as he's going along, right? Explaining all these things that he experienced in Fairyland. Um, but there are only occasional conversations. And then there's the poetry bits, which I think might be a little bit harder to translate into um into the comic realm perhaps so i don't think you have read it fully if you've read it just in comic book form oh no i I mean i i don't i have we haven't gotten our greedy mitts on this graphic novel yet i look forward to it but um i i don't anticipate it's going to be a word for word rendering yeah you know that would be a lot of it that would be a lot of text They've got um, um, Meredith Finch is doing the the adaptation. Yeah, yeah. So it, it'll be just that. It'll be an adaptation, and one would think that it would it ha- it will have its own kind of integrity as its own work yeah. of art. That that like like a film, you know, is is not just a you know a translation of a novel. It's you know it's an interpretation in another medium. Um, I, I I had to laugh because you said, well, what's the advantage or or or, or, or like. If if you've read the comic book, have you have you read the book? My my mom um, told me, you know, when she was a kid, um, she said I read comic books too when I was a kid. You know, whenever I had a book report, I went out and I got the a cl- comic book uh, of uh, a tale of two cities. You uh-huh. know, or like, um, or you know, um, whatever it was um robinson crusoe you know and then they they made all these comic book uh adaptations of classic works of literature that you know um i guess that the, this would have been in like the 50s you know um yeah and some of those are kind of fun i mean you know no if you if you read that you know you haven't read dickens believe <laughs> yeah. me yeah there's it's a like- lot more to it um, but, uh, you know, you, you might be able to bluff your way through a multiple choice. Uh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, it's the same thing. If you have read the star Wars adaptation by Marvel comics, have you seen star Wars? No. no. I mean, there's, it's close, but there are things that are different in it. And the movie's the movie. I do think, you know, my, um, my parents bought me a comic book Bible. I was recently telling a Canadian Christian publication about this. They did an 
interview with me. Um, oh yeah. And and uh, they bought me this comic book. My parents did uh, comic book Bible, and honestly, I think that probably is something that that deepened and drew me into the Christian faith a little bit more. I wasn't going to pick up a, com- a a Bible itself and read it necessarily, you know, when I'm like eight, nine, 10 years old, but I could open it up and look at the pictures and read the, the narration that was in the comic and felt a little bit more drawn into the Christian faith. So that's a benefit, hmm. a rambling benefit. <laughs> Wait, why, why are the Canadians uh, interested in you? Uh, they were interested in me because of this podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So they reached out to me. They were doing a um, an article on children's Bibles, and um, and it dealt in in particular with comic books and the way that that people read comic books and whether children's Bibles and and amongst that group, um, comic Bibles whether I thought that they had any real impact or they were useful in helping to catechize children. So yeah, they did some search, they found God in comics and they ended up reaching out to me and, and asked me a bunch of questions and did the article. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, okay. So I got us some publicity. There. Fascinating. Well, hello, ca- Canadian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we can hope, we can hope there are some. That's right. Yes um all all father kyle fans canada is just filled with with people who love father kyle i guess so (laughs) hey hey (laughs) okay so for those who are are interested in in finding out more um it's cave pictures um what is it called cave pictures publishing, publishing uh is the the company that's putting it out um and you can look up the campaign uh it it's on kickstarter it's also on indiegogo so if you look up fantasties on either of those places you should find it um i believe fantastiescomic.com will also uh get you at least to the indiegogo Um, And once you get there, you can find all kinds of information about it, um, some of the images of of the pages of the artwork, um, and you can find out how you can contribute to the project and also how you can secure yourself uh, a copy of it when it comes out in October. So um, be sure to to check that out um, and uh, also check out the cave pictures website because they've got a a whole bunch of really interesting projects going on over there. I hope we get to um, maybe uh, talk to them um, about some of the things, some of the other things that they're doing at some point. So probably should note that Fantasties is spelled with a P H much like the rock band fish. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Although uh, Fantasties not actually about the rock band fish. That is correct. Important to, (laughs) I think point that out. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, there you go. Um, so, uh, but for 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 now, let's uh, move to our uh, ever popular uh, and always uh, literary segment: this or that. This or that. This or that. 
Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man? This or that. Spider-Man or Superman? This or that. Boxes or briefs? This or that. DVD or VHS? This or that. Dungeons or Dragons? This and that. Moses or Elijah? This or that. This or that. This or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Okay, um, and uh, Father Kyle, what do you got for us this time out? Okay, so... I think you guys have probably heard that there is a movie out right now that is uh, taking the box office by storm. It just um, just beat out Titanic for one of the highest grossing pictures of all time. And I think it's got its sights sent on uh, Avengers Endgame now. It's a little film called Spider-Man. Uh, so the, the first... I have not um, seen it. I have not seen it either. Oh, I good. Am... Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Disney Plus. I'm waiting for, yeah, for some. I'm not up to going to a theater at the moment. So I'm waiting for some form of home viewing. Mm-hmm. So my first question in light of, of uh, you know, the little that I do know about this film is this. And I'll direct this one to Father Jonathan first. Tom Holland or Toby Maguire? Um, I think I would say Tom Holland. I think I would say Tom Holland. I, you know, Toby Maguire, uh, of course, always will hold a special place in my heart as the uh, the first film Spider Man. Um, and uh, you know, and and he's often even now still who I think of like picture in my mind or something. But I, I feel like Tom Holland has done just such a great job of really living in that character in, in a way that is in some ways truest to um, kind of original Spider-Man idea of this kind of kid who's figuring out the world. Um, and um and yet does it in a way that's, you know, perfectly in tune with the moment that he's living in, right? Like it doesn't feel like a 60s throwback either. Um, and, uh, um, and I don't know, it's just something about Tom Holland is very endearing. So yeah, I'm going to go with Nicholas Hammonds. Nobody uh, asked I was going to ask father. you that. No, I was going <laughs> to ask you that, Matt. That's funny. Oh no, was that the question that I beat you? Put did a punch. That's okay. I'll change it up. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, no. So Nicholas Hammond was, you know, Father Jonathan said uh, Toby Maguire was the first Spider-Man, I guess, in a feature film. That's yeah. what I meant. But there was the TV show in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this was quite thrilling to me when I saw it in you know syndication later. So uh, Nicholas Hammond um, gives a a dynamic performance as Peter Parker in Spider Man. Um, so yeah. and this has nothing to do with anything. I'll but I'll just say like my first um, my first experience of Spider Man ever was not comics and it was it was certainly not that dude from the 70s but it was uh spider-man and his amazing friends yeah oh yeah and so like to this day like whenever i think of spider-man i think of him like hanging out with iceman and um firestorm uh, firestar yeah yeah so yeah that was a great show that was one of my first ones too 
I, I um, started out seeing Nicholas Hammond and the and Spider-Man and his amazing friends, but also the 1960s show, yes, the Spider-Man definitely. cartoon from the 60s. Yeah. I love that. And then, of course, he made appearances on Electric Company, um, which mm. was a, a great little show, too. But Father Matt, I'm going to give you this one. Black Hammer or Black Panther? <laughs> Um, well, if we're, if we're going to talk about the current books, not, not necessarily cause you know, um, I, I, I subscribe to black hammer and all its various spinoffs, big fan, Jeff Lemire's kind of black hammer universe. He's began to uh, create, um, I'm a big fan of that. Um, but I, I, I'm not currently reading um, Black Panther on any regular basis. Um, who's his name? Um, does uh, Tay Nahesi Coates? I think. Yeah, is yeah. That the, how you the, pronounce the, it? Yeah. Does he still write it? I think so. I think so. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've, oh. I've read. I've read. Read a bit of bit of his run, and it was cool. But like, Black Hammer is really great. Um, now, as far as the characters go, um, Black Panther is definitely, you know, a, a, like a, a more enduring uh, character than than the character Black Hammer. Although we'll see. We'll see, you know. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, the, the new Black Hammer book with uh, his his daughter in the role as Black Hammer. Is really pretty cool. Black mm. Hammer Reborn. I'm enjoying that book now. Sneaking in an extra recommendation there. So, all right. I think it'll be current- interesting to see what they do with the Black Panther movie. Uh, they're allegedly recasting. Oh yeah. Um, so we shall see. It'll um, be. A- I think the correct answer to the question is Maxwell Silverhammer. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> it's actually i dig a pony ah. <laughs> all right father jonathan the next one is conversation hearts or imperial hearts we're getting ever closer to the uh to the valentine's day holiday mm-hmm. and uh these are two two popular candies during valentine's day I know what conversation hearts are. What are imperial hearts? Imperial hearts are the little cinnamon hearts. The oh, those hot oh, cinnamon. Gosh, oh, no. those are gross. No conversation hearts. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't want to eat either of those things. But um, at least conversation hearts are, you know, conversational. So they've got that going for them. They spark up good conversations with B mine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> amazing dialogue that comes right. out of that you can you can go a long way with that that can be that can be our food episode of god and comics we'll just read <laughs> conversation hearts <laughs> carry this on is, a conversation this is all becoming performance art all right uh father matt um i'm going to guess that maybe you've got some familiarity here roblox or minecraft 
Well, um, I don't, I don't have much hands-on experience with either of them. I know my kids really like them. Minecraft, I'll say. Minecraft seems more. I, I'm not sure what Roblox is. I know they play that sometimes too. Is that that's also a video game? Yeah, um, that's a video game. Yeah, comes in many different uh, storylines. I take it. My daughter plays that like crazy. Well, they they play my my son play. He has some Minecraft pajamas and he has Minecraft Legos. So, you know what they really like is this game Among Us. Yeah, where you have to guess which ones to set saboteur or whatever. Yeah, I played I have that heard of with that. them. It's you play that? I yeah, I played that with them. It was kind of fun. Um, so. Yeah, we've heard of that game. I don't think that Eva plays that. I think she she enjoys designing characters uh, for that, for her friends. So she kind of designs the characters and then her friends copy the design and they play the game, but she hasn't oh, played it. Father Jonathan, who are you looking forward to seeing most as Batman, Robert Pattinson or Michael Keaton? Uh, Michael Keaton. That is the correct answer. I was going to say, is that <laughs> even a question? Good grief. I'm, I'm curious to see the Batman and to see how it all shakes out. But I will say that between the two trailers that have popped up recently, I went gaga over the Flash trailer and that brief little cl clip of them entering the Batcave again. Mm. and seeing I didn't the, see the Flash trailer. It's out there. It should still oh. be out there. Have to check I'm, it out. So, uh, who's I don't even know. Like, who's directing the Batman? Matt Reeves is the director. So, I mean, it looks like you know the film looks like it's going to take Batman into this darker detective noir type of film, a little bit on a little bit more on like the the dark serial killer. I'm not sure. I like the Riddler version that they're putting forward. It's the Riddler, the Penguin, and Catwoman are all going to be in it. And the Riddler is the character that's um, that's the serial killer character. And I'm not sure I'm digging the look that I've seen so far for him. He looks a little bit more like Black Mask. Uh, yeah, Black Mask uh, from Batman. Huh. Um, then he does the Riddler to me. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I am okay. definitely thrilled to see Michael Keaton, though. Yeah, and that's cool. And by the way, Michael Keaton is also going to be starring as Batman in the upcoming uh, HBO Max movie, Batgirl. Really? So, oh, no kidding. Interesting. That will be cool, too. We get double dose of Michael Keaton. I'll tell you what I am excited about uh, is the trailer for um, the new Doctor Strange movie makes that look incredibly awesome. Yeah. Yes. So. Have Have you guys watched What If yet? Oh um, yeah. Only a little of it. I, I I really want to watch more of it, but I've only watched a little. Oh bit. I yeah, got halfway I through. It. I got halfway through, but they um, but there's an an episode on there with Doctor Strange, which I think ties in oh, to no. the new upcoming Doctor Strange movie, and even things going on in Spider Man. I'm guessing, but um, yeah. It was a cool show. Yeah. Yeah. No, what if was a lot of fun? I thought, yeah. I mean, like some episodes were better than others, I think, mm -hmm. but 
Yeah. Um, the which, last the last few episodes were really good. That's true of the like what if book too, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's some really some, good ones. And like, like, oh, that's a really interesting question. And sometimes it's right. like, I never thought to ask that. And why. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, what if uh, what if this happened? Well, it's probably good that it didn't. Right, right. I mean, really, it's just more of like playing with the characters in alternate timelines, yeah, you know, exactly. rather than the the classic what if scenario. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I set myself up for the spike, and that is the next question that goes to Father Matt: um, WandaVision or Loki? Mm. Speaking of Disney Plus Marvel shows. Hmm, that's hard to say. I'm going to say WandaVision. Um, if only because I was more excited to see a series about the uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch than I was about Loki. I thought it did some really, um, you know, interesting things that you haven't seen in a Marvel movie yet kind of broke new ground um but so did loki in a lot of ways um but yeah i don't know um i I really and 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 wandavision was the first of the of the disney plus kind of series and it was really you know a lot of fun to do that and um it's always been all of them have been a lot of fun i think but um but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's really hard to say because because Loki was was so good and it was funny, and um, you know it 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 it's it's definitely going to be very significant going forward as far as you know with the variants and everything. I think that's going to be like key to the Marvel universe going forward. So oh yeah, I, haven't, I think I haven't definitely. What's that? I haven't seen Loki yet, so so Loki's key going forward, as as Father Matt said, um, the stuff that happens at the end of the Loki series really does set up the Marvel universe for where the whole thing's going to go next. The whole uh, okay, the whole storyline. So it, for it's, that- it's like the whole premise of the show is about um, you know the variants and the alternate Earths and Multiverse. stuff like that the multiverse yeah it's like the whole thing so i should get on that is what you're saying you should get on that yeah oh have you seen have you all seen sorry to interrupt but um i'm just excited about this have you seen the um teaser trailer for the new uh spider verse no i i I saw a teaser kind of image but no i haven't seen the trailer there's like a two or three minute um thing that's out on youtube now where uh gwen just like suddenly shows up in his room uh and i am just so excited about that i still think that's like one of the best oh yeah films like comic films i've seen you know so um yeah love that they're gonna do some more of that um yeah very excited yeah that'll be cool that'll be did you guys see hawkeye so I have good. not. But, let, but let's uh, hold off on that because I think we're going to try and do an episode on that. It's super, oh, okay. super good, though. Super, yeah. super good. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm trying to watch everything still in order, and I got really behind. 
And then um, my wife and daughter went out of town for uh, the end of a week and a weekend. And I had convention that weekend. So, um, and it was all online. So that enabled me to stay home. So every free moment I binge watch for, for three days straight, I binge watch WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and uh, Loki, and then got through Black Widow and then also watched half of What If, and then they came home. Wow. So now I've got to get all caught up. I've still got more to go forward with. <laughs> that was a lot of That's ground lot. you covered. Yeah. That was a lot of ground, but it was fun to do. It was fun to get So did, did you have more um, questions? Nope. All right, so who won? Uh, let me see. <laughs> you didn't assign the point value. No, I forgot all about that. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to give it to Father Jonathan, but just by one point tonight, it was awful close. Oh, it was awful close. Solid. Good well, losing, losing is my middle name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, um, that's going to do it for, for us as we uh, begin the seventh season. You can keep up with us on uh, Facebook and Twitter because we're old. Um, so that's the only social media we know how to use. Um, and when I say we, I use that term uh, loosely because Father Kyle doesn't know how to use any of it. Um, I know how to so... use Facebook. <laughs> I just choose not to. Once, once a year, you log into Facebook and see what's happening and that's right. Move on. Um, but uh, you can uh, certainly check out uh, this episode again or uh, previous episodes of our podcast at anchor.fm slash God in Comics. You can find out more about us and the show at godincomics.com. Um, and um, you're always encouraged to uh, give us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you hear this podcast, help other folks to find the show. Um, and uh, as always, if you are a sound engineer who would like to donate your time so that we can make this sound like a proper podcast, uh, we're, we're always welcome to that. <laughs> um, our theme music, which you are hopefully banging your head to right this minute, is by Father Paul Wheatley. And if you like this song, you should definitely check out the new six-hour documentary on the making of this theme song, uh, at the end of which Father Paul plays uh, a concert up on the roof of his house and then breaks up with himself. Uh, until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michigan. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. And we'll see you.